Hi, my name is John. And my name is Lloyd. And we're the hosts of The Pint. A pop culture podcast. Lloyd, if you had to tell any of the people out there that might be listening to The Pint for the first... Oh, wait, wrong podcast. Hi, this is Stuttering John Melendez from The Howard Stern Show. And for some really stupid reason, you're listening... Insufferable bastards. Great name for a podcast, morons. All right. Speaking of people you don't want to hang out with, I happened to stumble across this show on YouTube called Insufferable Bastards. Mm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger. For the purposes of this broadcast, I'm also known as Eugene Driscoll from the Valley Indy, where I've been posting some of these podcasts now to have some new content on a Monday morning. But I'm on vacation. It's vacation week. Before I start blabbing more, say hello to my co-host, Mr. Brian Spears. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. I got a dust problem in my basement. I might have to start going back to the office. But all right, so uh, me and Brian were talking, right? We have this idea for an episode where we're going to talk about movies that don't hold up. These are movies, we've done this before years ago under our former name we were known as the mobile horror companion but i thought we would do it again because i don't have any real new ideas we have a movie tier list coming up like a tier list thing we're going to do but that that takes a lot of effort and i'm on vacation james Kahn passed away yeah today right i know one of our uh, one of our favorite actors right i think we could say uh, i could speak for you on that right yeah what's his best role Ooh. Ooh, well, I mean, Thief Thief holds it for me. Thief, baby. Um, Michael Mann, James Kahn, but I Belushi. Mean, him throwing that half bat in the Godfather is like the coolest thing. It is. That is a that is definitely a uh, a role that is just indelible on pop and, culture. And he's sort of, uh, at, of late, in his later years when he would do interviews, especially with groups of people, he always seems like the guy that everyone wants. Hey, man. Hey, James, just shut up. Like you see, he he's a good storyteller, but he's kind of the guy that like Coppola doesn't want at the table. Like, let me talk about the Godfather. You relax over there, Sonny. And of, of being so, of advanced age, he would just like yes. to tell stories. He he was like, forget yeah. it. I'm an old man. This happened, or maybe it didn't happen. But you're gonna hear me talk about it anyway. Started a Twitter feed, or at least under his name, rather late in his life, and it was uh, cool right away because he would end every tweet. End of tweet. End of tweet. <laughs> Just something endearing. Also great. I mean, of course, Godfather, Thief. I'll say there's, there's there's the first Wes Anderson movie, Bottle Rocket. And back in the day, he was making movies with John Wayne. Yeah. You know, he's kind of one of the last connections to old time Hollywood. He had been around for that long. Thief, go seek out of you. If you have never seen Thief, give it a chance, please. The other thing going on, Brian, just in the pop culture world, recording this July 7th, 2022, by the way, Clerks 3 yeah. is coming out in the fall, according to a preview that was released over the weekend. And uh, yeah, it's the cringiest thing I've ever watched. I sort of wish Kevin Smith would just talk, would just sit, have a podcast about the making or, or what Clerks 3 would be. My and, I, and I'm sure it's an algorithm. My Facebook all day today is people talking about Clerks. My YouTube is like that. Yeah, they're just suggesting Clerks over and over again. Yeah. And I we saw Clerks together. I I liked Clerks. Oh, I, I love I, Clerks. It's it's probably I, I, it's it's definitely in my top twenty. I'll say movies of all that time. That is an inc- 
incredible as movie. a former video store clerk. I think it's that generation too. Also, it is kind of the graduate. I, I agree with you for generation yeah. X, or at least people. I mean, we're forty-eight. Yeah, that's a touchstone movie. It was our John Cassavetes, but really, it was one movie. Like his career is one movie. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit for other things. I wanted to love Chasing Amy. Didn't. Never was a fan of Mallrats. That's a movie that definitely doesn't hold up anymore. Right. Um, well, that's what I could say. A lot of his movies don't hold up in a lot of different don't ways. Don't hold up. Except like, Clerks is the only movie of Kevin Smith that I revisit. I'll watch it again and again. Yes. The doc, the, the making of the movie is is great. Everything like, about even, it. Even the actors don't hold up. Yeah, like, right. I'm sorry. Wait, Dante is an old man now. Yeah. Well, like, and it I'm is, not it is cringy. Him. No, yeah. It is. It but is. we've all met him at conventions. I interviewed him nice once, guy. but I just don't remember. I was. I was completely inebriated but he sat down with me for like an hour and i never i had forgot to hit record so that was but a tough one tough. i had to go off my it's... my scribbly notes but yeah to see to see dante and uh who's the other guy what's the other guy's name in the i don't randall remember. randall randall yeah to see them at their age in in the brand new press outfits clerks outfits it just it just doesn't work i don't understand and why would why would anybody want to see this movie who's gonna go see clerks this movie? who's the audience clerks 2 was terrible was terrible. Was terrible. There, there was no reason for that. I mean, again, I, I was a fan. Of, I like Tusk. I loved Tusk. I, I mean, it's a movie you could watch on fast forward. I, 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 yeah. I can't sit. I did. I did fast forward and. and I was never a fan of Red, it. but even like his horror. Oh, Red World, State was bad. That was. I don't get why everyone loves that movie. Yeah. So I don't know. Stop it with Clerks Three. We don't. Nobody's asking for that. Nobody needs it. And I know Kevin Smith has this thing where he's just making movies for like his particular audience and, and they'll but it go makes see me it sad but, right yeah yeah because again i get it like his like well his brand of humor what he did you know judd apatow did it better and then after up at right. uh the our lakers guy uh mckay he did it until he started doing serious movies so you know he's yeah, always Kevin smith been, keeps going back to back to that yeah, you can only get so yeah. much out of toilet humor and sex jokes and you know naughty you know blue humor in fact it's like every podcast where guys just curse nonstop for no reason all right so yeah that's that we talk about oh the other thing i you had said and i had heard uh one of a podcast that i used to listen to i haven't listened to it in a while brian listens to it now more than i do tiger belly with stand-up comedian bobby lee and his girlfriend longtime girlfriend kalila have broken up and I don't know why I care about this. It's not like Insufferable Bastards is a is a gossip podcast. But there is something when you listen to a podcast and you hear them talk about their significant other over and over again. And in this case, the two were, did the podcast together. Together. So it kind of feels like you have an idea of what their relationship is and all that. I felt this way, too, when Jay Moore broke up with his wife because he would talk about her on the podcast. And then all of a sudden they ha had a divorce. So anyway, Bobby Lee and Kalila have broken up. And I'm, I'm bummed. The whole thing is a bummer, man. All right. So now to the topic at hand. Movies that don't hold up. So I've been on vacation the last week and my son, my 11 year old son is starting to get into movies a little bit, you know, so we've been watching a lot of movies. He was sick about a month ago. So we watched a lot of movies when he was ill and he was, he was sick for a good three weeks. So we watched like Shaun of the Dead. We watched Baby Driver. Uh, we watched Raising Arizona, all of which he loved and we watched the Kenobi show together, which he couldn't get into. He did like Stranger Things. So I've been trying to not not get him to watch things that I watched, but 
I'm trying to get him into things that are like accepted as classics from when you and I were children, one of them being Gremlins. Now, I I mean, I, I interviewed the uh, lead actor who was a heck of a nice guy, Zach Galligan, I think his name yes. is. Heck yeah. of a nice guy. But I remember when Gremlins came out when we were kids, nine or 10 years old, not liking the movie. I remember thinking like, even at that time, maybe because I had older brothers, maybe because you already had... Uh, interest in special effects makeup. You were reading Fangoria. We knew what a real horror movie was. Yeah. And Gremlins was this weird combination of Steven Spielberg cheese and sentiment, you know, sentimental stuff and sort of a, a light horror movie. And I just remember it never, it never went, it was either one or the other. And I just remember never, it wasn't something I went and revisited, I remember seeing it in the theater because I, I know exactly where I saw Gremlins. I saw it at my in, in Pennsylvania, in Sayre, Pennsylvania, where my grandmother lived. We could walk to the movie theater and we didn't have to take pa- our parents didn't go with us. It was literally like stand by me. We drive our bikes over across the wooden bridge and park it out front in that little thing. And your bike was safe. Mm. And, uh, you know, and we I went and saw that. And I remember coming home and I never loved that movie either. It felt small to me it felt uh if anything i think it's better on my tv like it felt like a state like the sets like you could tell like it was filmed in universal you know mm. what i mean like it looked like a a 70s co- looked like beretta everything was on the same streets i've watched it recently in the sense that both my i showed it to my niece when they were little and my nephew when he was little so and sure they liked it but They've never asked, like, they'll go, oh, that's Gremlins. I saw it. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. I mean, you watch it now and, okay, so cast aside or put aside, like, the the, the totally uh, stereotype of stereotypes at the beginning where the guy goes into Chinatown, he goes into the yeah. basement shop, and the guy's got whatever going on. He's got a long pipe sticking out, like, and that's how he gets uh, Gizmo, the uh, Mogwai, whatever the heck his name is. You know, there's that aspect of it that doesn't exactly age well, but just to, oh. it takes a while just to get to where, okay, what's the what's the conflict in this movie? What what do these gremlins do? It takes a a good thirty minutes until finally one of them eats after midnight and stuff starts happening. At the beginning of the movie, it's almost exactly it's a wonderful life i was gonna say is it you know it's it always town, got comparative it's the yeah. town from it's a wonderful life and they have the banker who's the evil lady who is like so over the top evil she is she is cartoony it's the most cartoonish villain of all time where she talks about to zach galligan who's a bank teller somehow in the savings alone or whatever it was, I'm going to like kill your dog slowly. Like she says all these, but it's like, you know, it's like Carol Burnett saying this, it's like Carol Burnett and Annie. And it's so over the top. I don't know how people can forgive it. It's so ridiculous. And then the, the tone, the, the shift where it's this cheesy movie, all of a sudden these things start killing everybody. And, like the shift where it's like, what is this movie? Oh, it could only happen in the eighties. Yes. Under the influence of cocaine, I assume, because it's like, it becomes a different movie. The gremlins come alive. Wait, hold on. The gremlins come alive in the attic, right? In Zach Galligan's home. Now the mother's there. So you think like, oh, this mother's and she's deep in it. She's going to get killed. 
right? She kills those. She puts one in a blender. She puts one in the microwave. One in a microwave, And yeah. she knifes the third to death without a problem. I'm just thinking, these these are so easy to kill. Just have the, the mother is obviously a killing machine. How much, how much better would gremlins have been if it was just about the mom going and having to kill all these, these monsters instead of, you know, the teenage guy from a Steven Spielberg movie? That struck me as dumb. Then the gremlins themselves, the stupid things they do. There's a flash dance reference in there. Yeah. You know, they're gambling. There's allusions to like uh, old time private eye stuff. They're dressed up. It is, it's the minions. I mean, it's the minions. So I don't understand why this, it's so over the top and not funny. I don't understand why it's so widely regarded. And Phoebe Cates, they take over her bar, she serves them drinks. It's supposed yeah. to be funny where she's serving them drinks and it's so out of the realm of possibility. It just is dumb, just straight up dumb. Oh, and meanwhile, they like run over an old lady with a plow. They kill Dick Miller with a snow plow. They send the banker lady through the roof of the house, which is okay. And it's got, what does they, Micah Ermintrot from Breaking Bad is a, is a deputy sheriff in there, which is uh, of note. But overall, it's it just... It, it kind of, I mean, I'm saying it doesn't hold up. I didn't like it as a kid, and I dislike it more now. And, and I, apparently, I, this is going to upset Shocking Things podcast. Well, I always is a thought, big fan. and again, I know it was a super nice. I just never liked the characters. And maybe that's the actors. They're and totally I'm not, bland, yeah. But they're bland, and they were a little too milk toast. Like, at least the Goonies, the kids, like. They had some personality. Yes. And I, I thought it was really weird. And I remember thinking this was like, this kind of took me out of the movie. Like, why would a bank teller who's got to at least be 18 hang out with Corey Feldman? <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. I just thought that was weird. That's like, buddy, the they're reading over. comic books up in his, like, in his loft room in his parents' house. Know. It was described back in the day as mean. Like, it's a mean movie. If anything, to me, it's cynical. This is the Hollywood system and the studio behind it knowing that, okay, we can make this a little gory. We can do this. We can have some fun with this. It's just cynical, but they don't push it far enough. It's not like there's any artistic merit to what they're doing. It's not like they're trying to say anything. To me, it's a, it's a, it's a deeply cynical, big budget movie. Sort of like Scrooge was years later, which is another okay, one that has I a- I can see that, yeah. Just sort of like they're trying to make this edgy movie, but it's like, it's but like it's Walmart the studio edgy make, and yeah, yeah it's the studio making edge it, rather than it rings hollow. It's a little paint by numbers. Oh, yeah. the, the other thing, Brian, I wanted to mention, cause then you got a couple too. I finally saw, I had read about this movie about how it's like this classic neo-noir. It's called night moves with Gene Hackman. Oh, it's just on HBO. It's on, I, yeah, I, it, it popped it, up on it, HBO it, again. Cause the first time I started it and I fell asleep. Does it hold up? It, no, it is such a creepy, weird. I mean, this could only get made in the seventies. So Gene Hackman, right? Like who, a who, private eye, but a former sports guy. He's a former NFL football player. Which yeah. right there, you're like, what? <laughs> and only retired relatively recently. I mean, Gene Hackman's one of those guys. When he was twenty, he looked like Wilford Brimley. He looked fifty. But so he gets this job where an uh, old-time actress living in like the Hollywood Hills in this yes. beautiful mansion who's kind of a, a floozy and drunk and, you know, uh, tries to come on to him right away. She's like, you got to go find my daughter. That's it, yeah. My daughter disappeared, whatever. And he's like, okay. But, she, but then at, at the same time, 
and this is just a subplot of the whole movie, Gene Hackman's wife is having an affair and he stumbles upon that and he confronts the guy she's having an affair with, but he doesn't like do anything. It's not like he punches anybody. There's no, it's this whole 70s drama influenced, I guess, by whatever French movies were coming out in 1960, right? So you have this, it's just it's like, it's such a strange movie. And then it's creepy. It's so creepy because Melanie Griffith, Griffin, is that her name? Or Griffith? Griffith. I got to look that up. Griffith. Whatever her name uh, is. Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Yeah, you got it. Sorry. She plays the 16-year-old daughter that he has to go find. And like, first thing, you haven't even seen this girl and they're alluding to her bosom. She's 16 years old. Yeah. Gene yeah. Hackman's doing that. And then she's topless the first time you meet her. Then she's under yeah. a boat topless. And you're like, what is this movie? Because it's sort of this hippie-ish, directed by Arthur Penn. But it's like, I mean, it comes across as one of the creepiest movies I've ever seen. And then in terms of the plot, it just, James Woods is in it in a, in sort of a supporting role. You know, he's like, he's the prototypical James Woods, but uh, I, overall I, I had read how great this movie is. And I, I got to say out of like five stars, I would give it half of one. It's not oh, a wow, good movie. Okay. Yeah, it's bad. I, it's very bad. I almost, I never finished it that way. I could say oh, I didn't finish it because I was not digging and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I, here I am. We're always, hey, 70s movies are awesome. 70, you know, oh, this, that. And I w started that because I was like, wow, I've never seen that one. And, it definitely uh, flew under the radar. And again, I think it's one of those movies that I don't know. I think, I don't know if it bombed or not. It, it's just, it's definitely oh, a it movie that bomb. Did, it yeah. didn't play on TV. It wasn't like, and this is only a right after the French connection. It's like two years after the, or three years after the French connection. So, it, you know, but it always sort of flew under the radar until these reviews started coming out where they would do like, oh, the greatest detective stories. And somehow this one, because of its bizarre marital problem angle gets mentioned. But I just want to say how thoroughly I dislike this old Gene Hackman movie. All right, Brian. So those are my two that don't hold well, up. I'm only going to do two. I mentioned three before we started this. Uh, but uh, because, again, how, how you were saying uh, you had watched movies with your son. With my nephew, I mentioned that. So he, you know, he acts like a tough guy. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that movie. So he was like, oh, look, we were on Pluto. Or no, he wanted to watch a Jason movie because we watched Leatherface. Well, he watched that latest Leatherface on Netflix. And, yeah, he watched that latest one. And then we watched the remake because I was like, I don't think he's going to like like with Jessica he, Biel. He, yes. Okay. He uh, he will not like when he sees like a, the film stock of the original. Like he's like, oh, I don't want to watch that. That looks like a really like to him. That's an old movie. It was to it, him. That's yeah, black I and get white. that. It's a black and white silent movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched the Jessica Biel one. And then he was like, hey, I want to like, let's watch some Friday, you know, Friday 13th. He's like, I'm really into Jason because we had watched the Michael Myers. And so now we wanted to watch a Jason movie. So he legitimately asked me, what was the one that scared you? And I said, when I was 10, part two scared me. The ending of part two. And I was like, oh, it's the bag one. He, like he's scarier in that. Now, I don't know. We watched it on Pluto and I'm not knocking Pluto. Pluto has. Some good stuff. I love their, they have a great documentary section. They have a great, like, cheesy B movie section that can be fun sometimes. And I don't know if they edit their movies. Now, Could I be, will or say they this. Get whatever version. Yeah. That happened with me with The Evil That Men Do. Because they don't, they must, it must be the, but there's definitely, it's definitely rated R because there was some other 
you know, nudity, nudity, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know that was in there, but it seemed like the death scenes were a little shorter. So they mm-hmm. must have maybe snibbed something out. He looked at me and he's like, so when is Jason going to be scary? <laughs> he kept asking me, like, so is this movie get scary? He's like, what do you like? Like, and then it got to the scene, which is very it's the very end that kind of got me. You know, and I just remember, you know, we were watching it like my parents were out like we had to think I had a babysitter. And we we're watching it at night. And, I, you know, I was legitimately terrified. And it's like where he jumps through the window. Right. Yeah. And and he's like, dude, it's like this movie. Like he said, like this movie that stinks. leather face, that leather face was scarier than this. And he like legitimately was like, oh, he's like, well, is there another one that's good? And he watches a lot of anime. So he's like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to see somebody get killed. Like what's going on. He's like, this is horrible. Yeah. Those animes, there's, there's a fight. Like they're, yeah, they're just yeah. the whole show are just the built around show. fights. He explained to me on the way up Enter like, the dragon. It's ba- it's basically enter the dragon. One episode could be 20 minutes and it's just that fight. It's a fight. And the next yeah. show is another fight. Yeah. But then just recently, and it's because of all this Tom Cruise talk, but I went back and watched, uh, Cause I'm a sucker for a courtroom drama of uh, a, a few, few good, a uh, few good men, man, that movie does not hold up. Tom Cruise playing the all American. No, no, you know, he'll have some hardship, but you know, he'll get over it. And again, I love Jack Nicholson, but you know, it's you not Jack Nicholson. Handle, yeah. It's not. No, right. it's, it's got like a very big cast of Kevin Bacon's in it, but it is literally a, I don't know. I mean, you know the movie the minute it starts to the minute it ends. That's what those 90s movies were like. That one reminds me around that same time, at least in my memory, like it was always kind of sad to see Jack Nicholson get so much praise for A Few Good Men the same way it was weird to see Al Pacino get so much praise for Scent of a Woman. There was something about... If 70s actors made it to the 90s and they just did a performance where they yelled and screamed, somehow that was supposed to be the next big thing. Give them an Oscar. Uh, I mean, Sense of a Woman, is that's a bad movie. That's a bad movie. And I remember not liking that when yeah. I saw oh, that. But like, you know, so obnoxious in it. I don't ugh, talk about not holding there, it up. There's about five years right there where like he's hardly, oh, he's hardly watchable. Listen, I'll even say, He's my least favorite part in Heat. He is, yeah. And there's been this thing that came out recently where I think Pacino said, well, he's on cocaine. Almost like he's retroactively making an excuse for a performance that needed to be reined in. It kind of, yeah, that's one of the, I mean, I love Heat. It's a great movie, but it definitely, it has some pretty deep flaws. Even Pacino running down the road in Heat. His hair. is cheesier. Like, cause he does, it's like, he sets it up. He like stops for a moment, takes a brief second, pulls the gun out. Like, you know, Tom Sizemore is God great in that. Yeah. One of the great things about De Niro and heat is that I swear he pulls Pacino along. Like even when, when the story concentrates on Pacino, you know, you can get through it. Cause it's going to go back to Pacino, uh, to De Niro, who is pitch perfect in it, you know, and Val, well, Val one, Kilmer's good in it. There's a lot oh, of good well, performances dude, dude. in that. Danny the Trejo one thing I said, I want to say, and I could be wrong, but this is the last great De Niro role. All right. So uh, that was uh, Brian Spears and I'm Carlos Danger for the purposes of this broadcast. And we will see you next time on the Insufferable Bastards. Later. Bum, 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 bum.
pleasure to me. I love Judge oh, Dredd. God. I absolutely love Judge Dredd.